we did a study, uh, our research group here in the city of Guelph, and we did really careful analysis of what we found in people's garbage and in their green bins. And we found that the average household here was wasting about $18 a week in food that they still could have eaten. So that adds up. And as you mentioned, Sarah, inflation means that that number is getting bigger and bigger all the time. Food is getting more and more expensive. And the other way that we think about that is um, based on that careful analysis that we did, it was over 3,000 calories a week that people were throwing away too. Hello, thank you so much for checking out Earth Care, the interview series that's dedicated to understanding the ways we can care for the earth and each other. I'm your host, Sarah Christie, and I'm on a mission to make climate change an approachable and not so overwhelming conversation for everyone. On this podcast, we meet climate heroes, activists, experts, entrepreneurs, and get their take on how we can help save the planet. And during this episode, we're learning how to do that at home, in the kitchen, with our food. Dr. Kate Perizzo is an associate professor in the Department of Geography, Environment, and Geomatics at the University of Guelph. She specializes in waste, urban inequality, and feminist geographies. Now, one of my biggest learning curves in the past year in relation to individual climate action was how much food I've been wasting that could have been eaten. To take it even further, how much nutrition I've also been tossing away. Now, luckily where I live, it does have a compost collection, so there's that. I can luckily compost all the food I'm not using. But put yourself in a grocery store right now. It's outrageous how expensive everything is, right? So not only was I throwing away perfectly good, edible food and nutrition, I was technically throwing away money. So yes, learning how to avoid food waste will certainly help our wallets, but there's also a huge environmental factor here. Food waste plays a big role in contributing to greenhouse gas emissions from the start of the process all the way to the landfill. So how can we avoid it? You know, do our wallets and the environment a solid? During this conversation, Dr. K. Perizzo talks about the environmental and socioeconomic impact of food waste and how reducing food waste can actually mitigate effects of climate change. There was also a question I was really excited to ask about what makes something truly compostable because those lines can get a little blurry, especially as we get into the world of compostable takeout containers. So here it is, my Earth Care conversation with Dr. Kate Perizzo. I am so eager to have this conversation because I think as a lot of us start engaging in more conversations about climate change and as inflation starts well, continues to really hit our grocery bill, it's no longer so easy to ignore food waste and the impact it's having. So thank you so much for being on Earth Care. It's my pleasure to be here. Throughout this interview, I'm going to reference a couple of statistics because I think unless you're consumed in this conversation, it's easy to see stats and not really digest the weight of them. So I'll start with an article that I recently read, which said people across Canada are struggling to afford groceries, yet 2.3 million tons of edible food is apparently being wasted yearly. Where is that waste coming from? Is it the household level? Is it grocery stores? So food waste happens across the food value system. It happens in all the different places that you just named. And we know that in different places, it happens a little bit differently. So in richer countries like Canada and the United States, we see a lot of that waste happening at the household, at restaurants, at grocery stores, so further down the food value chain. In lower income countries, the food waste, we see a little bit more of it at the farm level and the processing level. Here, we're seeing it shift more to consumption, basically because we historically have been able to consume more. Food has been relatively cheap. 
Uh, and so it's happening everywhere. It's a concern that we have to think about in every part of our food system. And the confusing thing is, the difficult thing is that food waste happens for so many different reasons. It's what we think of as a wicked problem. Lots of different reasons why it happens. We need lots of different solutions across that whole food value chain to address food waste. Right. And, you know, off the top, I kind of mentioned that it's a conversation that's happening uh, in parallel with climate change because it does have such an environmental impact. Can you speak to the damage it does to our, uh, you know, our climate? Mm -hmm. It's been estimated in Ontario that food waste generates 9 or 10% of all of our climate change gases. And it depends where you draw the boundaries around that too, right? Because agriculture is such a huge source of our greenhouse gases. And so when we waste a third to 40% of all that food, we're essentially wasting all of those emissions that were created too. So that's part of the problem. The entire agricultural system is kind of carbon intensive. And then the other thing is when you put food into a landfill and it decomposes in that anaerobic environment, it creates methane, which is a really powerful greenhouse gas. And when we speak about inflation, so that's the environmental side of it, the socioeconomic side is also, uh, you know, hugely impacted. Can you speak to that as well? Mm-hmm. So we did a study, uh, our research group here in the city of Guelph, and we did really careful analysis of what we found in people's garbage and in their green bins. And we found that the average household here was wasting about $18 a week in food that they still could have eaten. So that adds up. And as you mentioned, Sarah, inflation means that that number is getting bigger and bigger all the time. Food is getting more and more expensive. And the other way that we think about that is um, based on that careful analysis that we did, it was over 3,000 calories a week that people were throwing away too. So a lot of resources at the household that just aren't being used. It's a waste of food. It's a waste of money. Uh, and as you mentioned, it's a big environmental waste too. Wow. $18. And you think, okay, $18, what is that? No. Now when you see, when you really take a step back and look at your grocery bill, I mean, you need that $18. We all do. So another stat that I came across is 63% of the food that Canadians threw out so far this year could have been eaten and that wasteful practices are costing Canadians $20 billion annually. So in your opinion, where is this disconnect happening between us, our relationship to food and what is being wasted? I think there are a couple things going on. One is that waste is often really invisible to us. Our garbage cans and our green bins are kind of a black box. We put things in there and we don't have a very good awareness. And we know this when we ask people about how much they waste, what they tell us doesn't line up with what we actually see and when we go and observe their garbage and their green bins. So it's a big cultural disconnect and often waste is something that we find disgusting or it's something that we wanna avoid. And so we create this big mental barrier um, around it. I think that's a big part of it. And the other part is that for a lot of people, there aren't other options. Like our lives are so busy. We have so many competing priorities that it's almost like we can't allow ourselves to think too deeply about how much food we're wasting because we'd have to compromise something else. We wouldn't be able to work as long in terms of hours. We wouldn't be able to do all the recreational activities that people and their families do. Maybe people are, you know, taking care of aging parents in another community. And so that's how they spend their weekend instead of doing batch cooking. So some of those trade-offs are just too hard at a societal level for people to be able to focus on their waste. But part of what we say is, yes, we need to talk about these societal problems, but also there are often little tweaks that people can do to make a big difference in their own homes. And so to encourage people to spend even just a little bit of time thinking more about their food, we think it can make a big difference in how much they waste. 
Right. So a lot of that does sound somewhat systemic in the way that our society, at least here in Ontario, is functioning. And so I, I'm even more curious about this next question, because uh, in Ontario, whether or not you follow the politics closely, it looks as if Ontario has a whole plan to build a circular economy. Um, and so I have gone on their website and it says that the waste sector is responsible for approximately 6% of the greenhouse gas emissions that we produce. And their plan says that through this circular economy plan, they planned already to have a 30% diversion rate by 20, uh, 2020, 50% by 2030, and 80% by 2050. So I, I'm so curious about your opinion of what you think about the effectiveness of this and how Ontario is doing, especially considering you're in Guelph. And for anyone listening or watching who doesn't know about Guelph, there are just so many wonderful circular economy projects and green initiatives taking part place in that city. So I'd love to know your thoughts on, on this plan. So I think it's, I mean, I'll say, I think it's better than nothing. I think the province is moving in the right direction. Their plan right now where they're focusing the circular economy is on recyclables. So really trying to encourage companies who create recyclable materials that might end up in our blue box to take more responsibility for them, a product stewardship model. And so I'm hopeful that means that we'll be capturing lots of recyclables and, um, you know, they're diverting them. I'm not sure what it's going to do for prevention. And in a circular economy, it's not just about diverting and reusing those recyclable materials. We also need to be reducing our consumption. The Ontario plan doesn't focus a whole lot on food. So they're definitely open to that. And there are some indications that they might think about food, but it hasn't been a strong part of that platform. Whereas in Guelph Wellington, food has been the centerpiece of the circular economy that the city and the county and a number of other partners are working on here. And so we're seeing lots of attempts to make that cultural societal change, to build the infrastructure, to make connections, to enable a circular food economy. So I agree. I think Guelph is a great place to learn more about this. And the project is called Our Food Future, and the website is foodfuture.ca if people would like to learn more about what's happening here in Guelph, Wellington. No, I highly encourage anyone to just, you know, Google Guelph and see what they're about. It is so inspiring and hopeful to see that, you know, there are plans in motion that are quite effective, um, I, especially because on an individual level, it can be quite disheartening to do things like I cleaned out my recycling. I I went online, I read the labels and still somehow I'm missing something. And an example of that is, you know, here in Toronto, um, a lot of restaurants have started offering takeout containers that say biodegradable, they say compostable but then the waste management system doesn't accept them as compostable. So why would, why would something be listed as compostable and not accepted at the actual waste center? What you're describing is a really big disconnect between people who are developing products and especially people who are really interested in creating these eco products. And so they focus on the tech, but they're not focusing on the infrastructure. They're not focusing on how these items actually circulate through our waste systems. So we need to talk to the waste managers, the municipal waste managers to see what's actually compostable. Uh, it's not just something that could theoretically biodegrade. It's something that will break down in the technological systems that we have currently. So we have different kinds of systems in the city of Toronto than in the city of Guelph. Each city is using kind of different systems. So my suggestion is if you want to figure out where you should be putting something, if it goes in the green bin or if it goes somewhere else, a lot of cities now have this app called a waste wizard so city of toronto has one city of guelph has one as well and so you can type in whatever material you're trying to figure out um, where to place it and it will tell you and i mean the short answer is that a lot of bioplastics for example are not 
compostable. Even if they're potentially biodegradable, they're not compostable in the actual compost systems that we have. And that's true even for some materials, you know, like a bamboo fork or spoon, you might think, oh yeah, this is something that will compost. It's like, well, yeah, but not in the however many day, you know, 10 day cycle that we might be talking about in a certain composting system. So listen to your city, listen to your municipal managers. They're the ones who have the answers about what work locally for you. Interesting. So you kind of have to get the the wish cycling, you know, that uh, if I throw it in there, they'll figure it out. You have to have to really put that to the side. Before I let you go, I would hope that this conversation has left anybody listening or watching with so much more information and such a better understanding of, you know, what we can do at home. But is there one piece of advice that we can take away as individuals to at least begin reducing our food waste at the household level? You know, I think, Sarah, this goes back to what we were talking about earlier. I think if we can just get people to think about it a little bit, to care a little bit, to uh, open up their eyes and to say, what's actually happening here, rather than going on autopilot or wish cycling, you know, rather than the imaginary, say, well, what's actually happening in my household? What kind of food am I actually throwing out? What capacity is there for change in my city? Um, and I'll say there's a couple of really great resources out there. Um, Love Food, Hate Waste Canada and the National Zero Waste Council have a lot of resources, lots of little ways for people to start thinking about this and to start taking action uh, and to just be committed to even taking one step, I think will make a big difference across the country. It was such a pleasure chatting with you and learning from you. And I, and I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for being on EarthCare. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for checking out that episode of EarthCare and letting this podcast be a part of your day. Since you made it this far, here's a little sneak peek into the conversation we're having next week. Max Hanskin is the president of the National Farmers Union of Ontario. So he's joining EarthCare to talk about what Bill 23, the More Homes Built Faster Act, in Ontario means for farmland in the province and the importance of having access to local food. So those 5,000 acres will, in theory, be uh, almost completely used for developing for uh, houses. Um, that's, that's what's going to be built on those 5,000 acres. So once farmland has been converted into a development, it never goes back. So that farmland will be permanently lost uh, and will be creating houses outside of the municipal boundaries. It kind of spirals from there. Until then, we can also connect online at EarthCare Show on Instagram and TikTok. Head there to give those accounts a follow. And hey, if you have time, leave a review, message me with a review. I'd love to know what's on your mind what's been clicking with you and what topic you'd like to learn more about. You can also write to me on the website, earthcareshow.com. I'm your host, Sarah Christie, and the goal of this podcast is to get us talking about climate change. So let's chat.